You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Mark Bedard. Really excited to talk with Sean Lane about the revenue era, past, present, future. Sean Lane is the Director of Operations at Drift, world's leading conversational marketing and sales platform. He oversees the company's go-to-market operations across the customer journey, ranging from sales, marketing, to customer success ops. Prior to Drift, Sean spent over five years leading RevOps, sales development, and customer success teams at Upserve, a restaurant technology company. Sean is also the host of Operations, a podcast that goes under the hood of companies in hypergrowth with some of the leading operators from companies like Salesforce, Amazon, Okta, and more. Sean, so excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thanks so much, Mark. Uh, Happy to be here as well. This is great. Uh, Should we just dive right in? Let's do it. All right. So first question I have for you is, what are we really talking about? What is the (laughs) revenue era and how did it come about? You know, it's a a good question. Um, This is a a kind of progression that we have seen at Drift. And I got to give a lot of the credit to my CEO, David Cancel, who has kind of strung together this story of the different eras of marketing in general, right? Like we're talking about a progression across multiple eras of what you see inside of the marketing industry. So when we talk about it, we think about three different eras that have taken place. So the first one is what we talk about as the brand era. This is what uh, DC, our CEO, will call the Mad Men era, right? So this is before the 2000s. This is before there was a whole bunch of this cloud technology available. And really, marketing was about PR, right? It was about press. It was about getting mentions. Um, and really that was the crux of what marketing was about communications. Um, and a lot of times you saw that brand in service to the CEO, right? That was who oversaw it. And then what we saw as technology started to be introduced, we went into the second era, which is what we call the demand gen era, right? And that's where you started to see the role of the CMO, start to emerge, right? And you started to get some technology. Um, You started to have marketing teams being measured on leads or MQLs or prospects, right? And you saw stuff like that. Um, But the technology was still developing. And that's also when you started to see the CMO uh, and the CRO kind of emerge as these competing roles. And then the the era that we feel like we have just now entered is the third era of marketing, which we call the revenue era. And I think the big shift that we're seeing right now everywhere in the world, right, is that COVID has accelerated the 
progression into this era faster than probably would have happened naturally. You see way more stuff moving to digital faster than it would have. And what we see in this revenue era is that instead of being in service to the CEO or instead of being in service to the CMO and CRO, everything is in service of the customer, right? Every The customer gets stuff on their terms, on their timeline. And so that's what the measurement has turned to as well. People aren't just being measured on leads anymore. They're being measured on revenue. They're not just being measured on MQLs. They're being measured on the outcomes. So it's less about the inputs and more about the outcomes. And so when we look back we and we look at that progression, we very much kind of find ourselves squarely in that third revenue era now. I love it. Absolutely. So explain to me then what what's the difference between hmm. the revenue era, obviously the brand era, right? Like walk me through what's changed, what's different through those eras and, and what impact is that making on, on both the companies, but also on the customers? I know you alluded a little bit there toward you know having on demand in, in the revenue era, but it, could you expound upon that? Yeah, for sure. So I guess I'll start on the company side and then move to the customer side. So on the customer side, you know, when I talked about this digital acceleration, you know, everything pretty much has to be online at this point, right? You might have a small fraction of things that you're still able to do offline, but that's going to be incredibly optional. The days of, you know, in-person trade shows um, as they existed before are most likely gone, right? And so as you think ahead to this revenue era, all of a sudden the company that can meet the customer where they're at and facilitate the interaction in a way that is on the customer's terms, those are going to be the companies that win, right? And so to your point about the customer side, you know, think about the way that you and I buy uh, in our in our personal lives, in our consumer lives, right? We go on Amazon, we use Uber, we use DoorDash, right? And when you and I go to work, like you don't all of a sudden become, you know, B2B Mark, right? You still have the same expectations and you still have the same kind of, uh, wants and desires, you just happen to be making purchases on behalf of your company instead of on on your own uh, time, right? And so we very much believe that the B2B buyers are going to have the same type of consumer mentality they have in their personal lives. And so when you think about the customers, they want the best experience for them. And what does that usually mean for a customer? That usually means fast. That usually means uh simple, um, and it usually means on their terms. And so I think as you look at the revenue era compared to those previous eras, um, those are the biggest differences that I see. And then the thing that I was mentioning before about outcomes, I think that's the other thing that you're going to see really continue to change. If you talk to uh, a CMO or a CRO today and they're looking at Drift or they're looking at any, any tool that they're looking to add to their tech stack, from the CMOs and CROs that we talk to, none of them care about the nitty gritty of this product feature versus that product feature or this, you know, what you think to be this amazing integration that you've spun up. All they care about is can you make their life better as they're trying to grow their business? Can you increase the productivity of their team? Can you increase the revenue that they're going to have uh, booked in that particular quarter? And so I think you're going to see companies really shifting towards this outcome driven experience um, as opposed to some of the inputs that you saw in some of those previous areas like prospects and leads and MQLs and things like that. 
Very interesting take. Uh, you just called out that trade shows are likely to be dead, Sean. Do you know that? <laughs> don't don't tell anybody. People are going to be All upset. Right. All right. Yeah. No, I, I, I would agree, though. I think whatever has changed or whatever uh, it was previously, we're talking about a completely new environment now. And the sooner people realize that and can adapt to that, uh, the better it's going to be for their customers as well. So I agree 100%. Absolutely. Um, so, okay, I'm getting the, the gist of it, right? Obviously, things are changing. We're moving into a, as you put it, it has to be on the customer's terms. And I think that's a great way to think about it. Um, it used to be on the company's terms as it relates to, you know, how we engage with people and, and how we engage with uh, our prospects and things like that. Now it's very customer centric. Um, that's cool. As it relates to the company, though, like, how are these companies going to evolve in the revenue era? How, like, what, you know, what functions internally are going to help us adapt to this fast, simple buying process that uh, customers are, are now going to be more or less expecting from companies in, in our era now? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I think every single team inside of a company is going to have to make some type of shift in order to accommodate this new era. Um, but I can speak best to to my team, right? So I'm, I'm on the operations team. And so when we look at this revenue era, there's a, there's a number of different things that are going to be important for us. So first, I think about, you know, the customer journey. How do we remove as many inefficiencies from that customer journey as we possibly can? And so our team very much works across that customer journey. You mentioned in the intro, you know, marketing ops, sales ops, customer success ops. And so we partner with a lot of those leaders, those go-to-market leaders to help rip out any of the inefficiencies in those customer journey, right? How do you look at each handoff between those different teams and make sure that that handoff is seamless? And we can have this unique view of that customer journey and say, okay, if we make this change in marketing, what's the ripple effect that that's going to have on sales? If we make this change in sales, what's the ripple effect that that's going to have on customer success? And so we very much play this role of looking around corners to see how it's going to impact the customer experience, right? It, and I think that's like another hallmark of the revenue era, right? You can't just focus on sales. You can't just focus on marketing. It's the entire customer lifecycle. And so everything from the first interaction that somebody has with your brand or the first time an SDR reaches out to prospect to that company, all the way through the sales process, all the way through how you service and support your customers, um, that's, fair, that's fair game, right? And so when we think about that from an ops perspective at Drift, we have to look across that entire customer journey. And so that's very much a transition for us. That's, uh, and, and we've talked, obviously, uh, about the makeup of your team at Drift and, and very impressive uh, to hear what you guys are doing over there. I love that it's not just sales and marketing, but you also have customer success in there. I think that's uh, that's such a, um, they're missed out all the time, customer <laughs> success people. And I, I think they're arguably one of the most important uh, in, in the whole piece, right? If not the most important, you know, given this transition to, now, uh, you know, everything being on the customer's terms and and uh, and driving the journey there. So I, that's huge, man. So talk to me, I guess, what is the makeup of your team? Like what 
what parts functionally are there that the audience should know about? How are you guys addressing this uh, evolution of customer journey through assigning different responsibilities across the team? How do you guys look at it? Yeah, sure. So as we've grown out the operations team at Drift, you know, we've started to build out some some slightly more specialized functions, right? So depending on the size of your company or the size of your ops team, you probably start with a team of generalists. And then as your team grows and as the company evolves, this natural need for more specialization emerges, right? And so when we look at our team today, I kind of think of the team in, in three major groups. So the first group is kind of your, your pure data group, right? And so we've got a couple data engineers who are really just setting up all of the plumbing, right? How does data move between our different systems? Um, and then you also have a data analytics person who is taking all of the data served up by the data engineers and making something of it, right? That's where your data visualization or your BI comes from. Uh, We happen to use Looker. And so that team very much is responsible for the foundation upon which all of our analysis and data presentation is built. So, So that's one group. The second group is more of like a systems team, right? Or or a systems architects, right? And so that's the team that's going to be focused on things like how Salesforce is architected. How does Salesforce play with some of our other major tools like Marketo? Um, And so you very much have a team there that is making sure that all of that plumbing works and uh, is focused on some of the core tools that are meant to run the business. And then the last group is kind of like a business partner, right? Or a liaison, right? And these are the people who are working really closely with our different go-to-market leaders to prioritize against their goals, make sure that we're aligned on what's going on within their teams. How do we make sure that they're getting help to hit their number, right? And all the stuff we talked about before about the customer journey or data or architecture kind of flows back and forth inside of that relationship. And so... um, uh, there was somebody who is on my podcast before, a really, really smart woman named Sylvia Kynes, um, who has built out RevOps teams at uh, Eventbrite and Airbnb. And she kind of turned me on to the, those three groups being ways that you could basically build a team long term, right? And so we very much have this like hub and spoke model at Drift where we have very specific folks who are on the sales ops spoke of the wheel, the marketing ops spoke of the wheel and the uh, CS ops spoke of the wheel. But you can also imagine as we continue to grow the need for those other specializations that we were talking about, data systems and those business partners, um, those will continue to grow as well. So I think there's a couple different flavors that people can pick and choose from, uh, but that's the way we think about it at Drift. The spoke analogy is is so spot on. You can almost picture yeah. a, core, a core data team or a core uh, intelligence team, obviously, systems being the foundation to that uh, data team with, with you mentioned, you know, BI and, and data science and, and things of that nature. And then the liaisons connecting that data world to sales ops, marketing ops, uh, and, and the broader organizations, right? Sales, marketing, and I don't want to forget customer success uh, <laughs> in that as well. So uh, we, I think there's, there's some room there to make an infographic or something, Sean. That yeah. is huge. For sure. There's there's these terms that I learned when I first got to Drift that I think also have really helped in the way we think about where our team sits in the organization. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about how we 
continue to stay nimble as a company and continue to move fast and and move based off of uh, getting feedback from the right people and not from necessarily just building crazy consensus everywhere because that's impossible. But what we have found is these terms that I learned, one is called uh, centralized defense and the other is decentralized offense. And so when you think about centralized defense, like that's ops, right? That's finance. Those are your core teams that are meant to build up this foundation of the company and really can be the source of truth for things like data, right? And then your decentralized offense is all of these other smaller autonomous teams that are out there having those customer interactions. And they're the ones that that's, that that centralized team can enable to go out there and be nimble and make those decisions. And so that way of thinking about it was also really helpful for me as I thought about uh, how we're set up at Drift. Yeah, you got to trademark that or something. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Uh, this is, I mean, if you can dive a little bit deeper into the responsibilities, like could you give an example to me, Sean, or, or something to that degree of maybe a project that you guys were working on or um, help, help, I guess, the listeners understand how that whole system between the systems folks, the data folks, and the liaison folks would work Um, from start to finish. Could you give an example? Yeah, for sure. So I think a really good example that kind of flows cross-functionally between not just the data and systems and and business partner folks, but also across kind of your different go-to-market functions, right? From sales and and marketing in particular, is just the idea of uh, what we call lead SLA, right? Or just how the leads get delivered to our team and how we follow up with them in a timely fashion. Right. And so this is a project that a bunch of different people worked on together. And at the end of the day, what we needed to do was say, how do we get the right leads into the hands of the right people at the right time? And that sounds like a simple thing to do, but there is so much stuff that happens behind the scenes and so many tools that need to interact with one another in order to make that happen. Right. So obviously for us, Drift sits at the center of that. And so when you start to tie together things like Drift and Salesforce and whatever your MAP is, we use Marketo, um, all of a sudden you're starting to build these different systems on top of one another. So, okay, that's where your architects will come in and we'll say, okay, how does this tool interact with the others? Then you have your business partners who are working really closely with, let's say, your SDR leaders and your sales leaders to say, okay, these are the types of leads we're going to deliver. We need to build a lead scoring model to make sure that we're prioritizing the right leads. Then we also need to build a behavioral model. Okay, we should go back to the data team and talk to them about how do we produce a behavior score model based off of all the historical behaviors that we've seen, right? So all of a sudden you can see how all these different teams are coming together. And then that business partner is kind of there to hold everything together in the middle. How do we make sure that we're prioritizing the right leads? How do we make sure that what the day in the life of an SDR looks like maps to that, right? How do we make sure that when an SDR sits down at their desk, whether it's through their home base in Drift or a dashboard that we've created for them, they know what the absolute next best action for them to take is, right? And so you can see how very quickly something as simple as like, hey, did we deliver the leads and did people follow up on them? actually involves all of these different people to execute on it in a very high caliber way. And so for us, I think that that model really lends itself well 
to us actually accomplishing that. And then the same thing, you have all of those people working together to actually look back and say, how did we do, right? It's very tempting, uh, especially in a fast growing business to say, okay, let's build, build, build. Okay, set them off to go do their thing and then move on to the next task. When in reality, you have to take the time and set up routines and cadences to look back and say, how did we do? Did our time to lead get faster? Did our conversion from lead delivery to discovery booked get higher, right? And so those are the things that we need to both set at the beginning of the project to to say, okay, these are going to be our criteria for success. And then have certain people who are responsible for looking back after the fact to see how we did. You're talking about being a, a true data-driven organization. Uh, you were even mentioning right there at the end, all these different KPIs that Drift is looking at, and not just looking at once, but continuously holding themselves accountable to, to show the impact of uh, the operation success or or uh, room for improvement, right? Um, that's, that's awesome. I, it actually reminds me, I was talking to uh, Ralph Torres, who's a, a similar kind of role as yourself, Sean, which is you know, more on the um, BI liaison side. And he was talking foundationally about building uh, these kinds of systems. And uh, I love uh, you guys. I got to get you guys talking to, to one another. Maybe we'll have another <laughs> another it. podcast or something. Uh, so you guys can talk about the structure of, of how these operate. But so many companies that I talk to are trying to become more data driven. But it sounds to me that it, it really starts foundationally at the systems, the data, the liaison, and then aligning to specific KPIs to to show improvement, right? To show what, what impact you've had. Yeah, and I think we bought into that really early on. So Will Collins, who is our VP of operations, that was a goal of his from very early on, right? We're talking, you know, first 15 employees. Um, and so having that kind of built into our DNA from the beginning has been incredibly helpful. And that's not to say that you can't do that later, right? You absolutely can, but you do need commitment from the organization that this is going to be a priority. Um, And then like, I don't want to make it sound like it's all perfect and sunshine and rainbows, right? Like we screwed a lot of this up along the way. And so (laughs) a lot of what I'm saying is like hard won lessons that hopefully now other people can skip all the pain and actually just do this better than we did along the way. Um, I think one of the things that's a little bit of a double-edged sword of the, the theme that you're talking about, right? Of having this data-driven organization is, look, every single company is going to say they're a data-driven organization. And every single company's website is going to put that on there when they have their roles that are posted. And, you know, everyone's going to talk about it. But it's much different to actually kind of live and breathe that. And one of the downsides of living and breathing that sometimes is that there are infinite ways to slice and dice any metric any data, right? And so people are going to inevitably say, oh, this level one, this very high level metric that you gave me, I want level two, three, and four, and I want to slice it these four different ways across these five different time horizons. And then we'll come back and we'll have this conversation. And sometimes that's helpful and sometimes it's not. And so I think there's a very much a a discipline to saying you're a data-driven organization and picking what are the absolute core metrics that you're going to pay attention to and holding each other accountable to that. Because it's very easy to get sidetracked and jump into a whole bunch of different uh, 
metrics or data points that might not actually be helpful in getting you towards your goals. So setting the goals that you're saying are the most important things to you and then holding yourself and your team accountable to stick to those goals, I think is where the discipline aspect of being a quote unquote data-driven organization comes in. I I really got to get you to talk to Ralph because you guys have (laughs) like like the same, he talks about it as it relates to uh, major KPIs, like you're in the major leagues, you're in yep. AA and you're in minor leagues, right? Mm, and like they that. can move up and down through the uh, through the leagues. But uh, I think it's interesting, right? It, it's it's like the, the key KPIs in the majors shouldn't really change week over week, right? They shouldn't change month over month. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, very cool. We're talking a lot, obviously, about the KPIs that it takes, the implementation, if you will, from a personnel perspective. But there's got to be bigger changes here in the revenue era around not just the personnel, but the technology itself, right? Everything's going to this customer-centric, on the customer terms, with fast, simple, so on. Have you, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe you've thought about this, maybe you haven't, but how is the MarTech stack changing to these specific roles or this new era to adjust to this, or is it still going to take some time? Like, where do you feel the technology is to support these kinds of uh, broader market changes? I think it's starting to, right? I, I don't think it's there by any means. I think if you were to just look at Forget about the tools that you use in your tech stack, those like sub tools that are the ones that are actually connecting them, right? Like there's a whole category of MarTech tools now that are literally only responsible for connecting other tools, right? And so you end up with these incredibly tangled tech stacks and then people who are responsible for just setting up the plumbing to make all those tools talk to one another. And so I think over time, like that is going to have to get simpler, uh, as opposed to getting more complicated um, inside of this revenue era, as it becomes more focused on the customer, as it becomes more focused on outcomes. Um, So I think that will be interesting. I think the thing that you're starting to see already is more tools that are aimed specifically at people like me and people that are operators, right? I think in the previous eras, it was very much stuff uh, focused on marketers or focused on sales. And only in the last few years have I started to see tools that are specifically focused on operations people as their core audience, right? So um, you look at tools like Clary or Lean Data. Um, there's, a, there's a company called Fullcast.io that is literally being built specifically for the sales operations planning process. Um, And so you start to see more tools like that emerge. Like I think that's the trend you're going to continue to see. More tools that are focused on this particular role because I think the other shift that's happening in the market is that these types of roles are getting a more strategic seat at the table, right? And so for the people who are listening to your show who are in these roles, I think they probably feel that inside of their companies where Ops used to be like a back office function, right? And now very much has that partnership, hopefully, with those go-to-market teams and has a strategic seat at the table. And so I think the tools that are coming out are going to more and more reflect that change. 
Uh, bold prediction. I like it. I mean, I, I can't can't disagree with you. Those examples are spot on. There, it's this like data ops in, in mm. particular that I see really being a cross functional um, player. You know, and it's funny we talked about uh, your title previously. You know, owning so much within you know marketing ops, sales ops, customer success ops that it at the end of the day you're just like yeah, it's ops. You know, it's all encompassing, right? You gotta. You got to summarize it somehow. It's uh, it's interesting. So you, you think that the the ops professional, however we we term this uh, sure. systems data liaison group, right, is going to be more strategically aligned to initiatives. Let me let me ask one last prediction before I let you go, Sean. Where where does that team roll up? Do they roll up under marketing? Do they roll up under ops? Do they roll up under the CEO? Like. Where does that team go? Is there a head honcho, a chief data officer of some sort? Like, how do you see that evolving? Where do you see it going? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think there is not a perfect model or a perfect answer. I think there's pros and cons to each. Um, I think what you're going to end up seeing is one of two things. I think you're going to either end up seeing a truly centralized ops team that supports the entire company not just your go-to-market teams. And that I would see actually rolling up into your like CFO um, and and being more on like the, the truly company side. Um, or if it is exclusively for what we've been talking about today in the go-to-market era um, and uh, the go-to-market teams, I think you could see uh, a revenue ops type of model rolling up into your CRO. Um, and so e- either one of those, I think, Everybody has their own opinion about centralized versus not centralized or, you know, put it into the function that they are a part of, put it into sales, put it into marketing, right? Um, At the end of the day, I think as long as these teams can do what we've been talking about today, which is like, can you look across the entire customer journey? Can you anticipate the ripple effects uh, of an action in one part of that customer journey to another? Then... Honestly, I don't think the reporting structure matters as much as your ability to be able to make those considerations and work cross-functionally, right? The data ops team that you're talking about, one of the simplest but most valuable ads for a team like that is like, they're the source of truth, right? You don't ever have to worry about walking into a meeting and marketing having one version of the truth and sales having a different version and you spend half the meeting figuring out whose is right, right? Like we've all been in a meeting like that and in theory, with with this setup that we've been talking about, you completely avoid that. And, and realistically, in practice at Drift, we pretty much do. And so that, to me, is like little wins like that really compound themselves. And so the reporting structure, in my opinion, is, is less important than like how you work. Love it. Love it. I can't thank you enough, Sean. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank, thank you again for being on the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. This was really fun. Absolutely. Uh, So you heard it from Sean Lane himself, the revenue era, past, present, future. Big thanks to Sunnyside Up for putting it on. And uh, thank you again, Sean. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers. 